Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to Questions and Answers on this Saturday evening, just after 6 o'clock on VOC 91.3. Shukran so much for joining us. Do tell your friends to listen out on our uh, audio stream. You can do that via our website on vocfm.co.za. Click on Listen Live and you can hear us wherever you are in the world. We've got internet, of course, or, or Wi-Fi. So this show can also be uh, picked up on our VOC uh, Iona link and it's a podcast, so which means you can download it and you can listen to it wherever and wherever you are on a later stage once you've saved it, registered and saved it. We do have, of course, once again, Sheikh Ibrahim Wurst in studio with us answering your questions on 47913. Alhamdulillah, we've uh, really catched up on our backlog and uh, you may uh, stream through your SMSs with your questions on 47913 where Sheikh Ibrahim Wurst will give a detailed answer, inshallah, to that. Sheikh Wurst, uh, assalamu alaikum and welcome back. And to all our beloved listeners of Radio Voice of the Cape. Sheikh, let's start with our first SMS. We've still um, received this back in September, but inshallah we, we're getting through our backlog. It says, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. My husband and I are having marital problems for years, uh, for a number of years now. A few days ago, he told me to go to the MJC and get an imam to end the marriage. I'm confused. What is he actually implying? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Yes, of course, the uh, uh, question and the statement that was made by your husband is, of course, very vague. I mean, it does not mean anything uh, serious uh, in terms of constituting talaq or anything like that. Um, I think what your husband is probably alluding to is the fact that uh, he wants to uh, move in a direction perhaps where you uh, eventually will separate. Um, So we will not uh, take his words, uh, go to the MJC to get an imam to end the marriage. We will not take that as being a talaq itself okay uh, because it's not clear enough to constitute a talaq so uh, perhaps uh, he wants you to get an imam to come and speak to the two of you and to see you know how you can uh, dissolve the marriage if that is what he wants but i think what you should do is you should ask him straight away what he meant by it and how he who uh, wished to proceed if you have trouble and problems for a number of years as you are alluding to then obviously the point of departure would be to ask him you know how he would like to proceed and what he meant by those uh, phrases and so on and the best is just to get someone in to actually listen to you and to listen to him and then to give advice and yes if if it's going to mean that you are going to dissolve the marriage then perhaps that is the best uh, solution but uh, uh, that can only be known after someone has spoken to you um, and it doesn't have to be MJC or anybody like that anybody that's, uh, that you have um, confidence in uh, perhaps you should do that and just get someone with the consent of your husband of course but perhaps get a neutral person which he is also happy with to come and speak to the two of you so that you can decide you know how you want to proceed sometimes after speaking you may just well find that uh, you know it's not necessary to dissolve the marriage maybe you can iron out the differences maybe you can come to a point where you can make some compromises and that is obviously what we always hope for uh, although it's not always possible but that is what we hope for so that is what you should do and inshallah hopefully clarity will come uh, as to what your husband meant and all of that uh, that will uh, take place once you have somebody to speak to you inshallah inshallah shukran Sheikh. next one is salam my father-in-law got sick and my wife is the only sister in her family i've allowed my wife to stay with her father to help her father to get better it's been two weeks now do i tell my wife to come home what can i do Sheikh? Yeah, this is uh, normally a, a very strenuous uh, situation mm. where there's a family member who is ill, especially if it's a long-term illness, uh, uh, where obviously family members have to come now uh, to uh, to the assistance of this uh, sick person. And uh, I think the best is, uh, in my experience of what I've seen certain families do, um, and of course we can commend you already that you had uh, allowed your wife obviously to go and stay with her father for already two weeks, etc. But... We also do understand that it will take its toll on your own family. So what you should be perhaps considering is to get other family members, extended family members or even neighbors and friends to see uh, what is the possibility of them also um, getting involved and and offering some assistance. Um, Like I said, especially if it's a long-term thing, you're going to need obviously people to take turns to relieve each other with duties, looking after the person who's ill, maybe washing, etc., etc. And it's difficult for one person to do all the duties all the time. So uh, I'm sure not even your own father would expect 
for uh, your wife who is his daughter to be there 24 hours a day so of course uh, how you're going to proceed to ask her to come home or whether she can stay on that is your prerogative and that is you as a family will have to decide that uh, but what I feel is a useful way is of course to uh, get people involved and you will be surprised how many people are actually willing to assist especially if it's an old friend of your father or maybe a neighbor or maybe an elderly in your family extended family that that have free time that wouldn't mind to maybe spend an hour or two with your father-in-law etc so so maybe do that and uh, we always encourage people alhamdulillah i mean whoever your wife we can really uh, commend her and of course it's a duty it's a father uh, and just reflecting on a hadith where the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that wallahu fi awni al-abdi ma kana al-abdu fi awni akhi that allah ta'ala will be in the assistance of someone as long as he is in the assistance of someone else mm. And this is beautiful I mean as long as your wife is helping her father uh, Etc or other family members Then they will be also receiving the assistance of Allah Ta'ala And also what is good is that We, we know that a person who is sick He is or her dua is always mustajab They are very close to Allah When they are in that critical period of illness mm. And so without you knowing He's making dua for you and your family and your children Which is very very powerful So Alhamdulillah you should look at it as a positive And not as a negative but yes, it can become strenuous if one person has to do it. So I think my advice would be just to consult broadly with the more extended families and friends and neighbors even and see how you can perhaps draw up a roster and take turns in, in serving your, your father-in-law. And knowing at the end that I mean it's, it's going to be rewardable by Allah Ta'ala, it's mm. something good that you are doing, it's a humane thing that you are doing, uh, it's something that you yourself would wish if you are in the same position. Mm. So don't be too hard to say to your wife just to come home straight away and it's mm. been two weeks. Try to, to sort of amicably uh, work a way around the situation. But remember, it is a father after all. She will obviously be feeling a lot for him and wanting to be there for him. But yes, you also have a hug over her where she also needs to play a role in terms of your own family. So I think the middle ground is obviously what is needed here. And uh, uh, perhaps, inshallah, there will be a way in which you can uh, resolve this particular issue. This is a very interesting question, Sheikh, because it comes to she, her being the only... Um Daughter as well, as a, yeah, daughter in the family, sister in the family, um, which means she could possibly have other brothers. But um, her, her duty maybe to be by her father, you know, if if it's a very um, a illness that's that 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 you yeah like cancerous or something. So it it, it can be where the the a lot of negotiations has to happen because the, the the wife might feel listen, I want to stay here till my my, my husband. Yes, my absolutely, actually. and that is why I said that she must you know she's got the obviously her for her father she's got duties there. Mm. And Undoubtedly, but she also has duties towards her husband, husband so, so there must be a balanced approach yeah. here. And from the husband's side, he must try to be understanding mm. because it is a noble thing that she is doing, and try to get the ways and means instead of now just telling her to come home and uh, you know I can't uh, live like this or it's mm. difficult. Instead of just doing that, try to think sort of innovatively mm. how you can come around the situation yeah. where the sick person will not be neglected, and yeah. at the same time you will not be neglected in terms of your own family, etc. And I'm, I'm very sure that if you if you just sort of uh, you know um, uh, put your heads together and Mm. discuss it and communicate this I'm sure you will come up with a solution that will be suitable inshallah all the best to that family and may the mighty grant the father um, shifa inshallah inshallah. let's move on to our next question before we do that let's pay the bills and uh, come back with more of your questions on 47913 back in a moment the voice of the cape 91.3 91.3 FM Stereo. Assalamu alaikum. A very good evening to you. Welcome back. This is Questions and Answers, where you ask us the questions on 47913. And we have uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Wurz, who is the resident Imam at the Yusufiyah Masjid out in Weinberg, uh, southern suburbs in Cape Town, answering your questions. The next SMS is uh, My mom in law wants to move in with my family. I am okay with that, but want her to be in a separate entrance because I foresee trouble if we're under one roof. Please advise, Sheikh, because I know my husband will not be happy with this, should I tell him. Yeah, this is a kind of a very tricky situation where uh, a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law scenario. Uh, but I want to say from the offset, uh, one shouldn't be thinking like automatically, you know, mother-in-law and father, uh, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Automatically, there's going to be war, you know, if they are in one house. I think people already go with this mindset. They get married with this mindset, which I feel it's not right. I mean, we shouldn't like sort of just make it a rule, you know, that it has to be. And some people they actually look for trouble, you know, because they just think it has to be like that. Uh, in this 
case, yes, it may be quite real where the mother-in-law is going to move in uh, in the same house and there may be issues. And I think uh, it revolves around space and privacy and sometimes, you know, uh, the kitchen, who's going to be in the kitchen it's, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And this is quite real and, and it's quite understandable that this woman is a bit concerned. Uh, for me personally, I think the best always to, to tackle this is to, to speak honestly and respectfully to your husband about this matter. Right, without uh, being forceful or without being disrespectful, uh, there's nothing wrong in speaking with uh, to him, you know, honestly, and tell him what how you feel and what your concerns are. And of course, there's a matter here also of having to consider whether he can actually afford a separate entrance for her, a separate quarters. It may just be that it's it's not easy for him or he doesn't have the finances to do that. So you don't want to impress upon him something that is going to make it difficult for him, mm-hmm. right? But yes, uh, it's, it's, it's in your right to be able to obviously get some kind of uh, a map as to how you will proceed in your home uh, if it's going to be that you're going to live together. Um, you know, there must be an understanding. There must be what we call, you know, house rules. Rules. On certain issues, there must be house rules where we do not obviously um, uh, disrespect or uh, overstep our boundaries. And I think all of this can possibly be solved if you, in a respectful way, address this with your husband and uh, say to him, look, I mean, there may be issues if she comes and lives in. I, I don't mind her staying with us, but we just wa- don't want to, you know, uh, cause unnecessary khilaf and unnecessary problems and so on. And these things are quite real. Uh, although at the same time, like I said, I don't want people to, to think that it has to be like that. Hmm. I mean, automatically, alhamdulillah, you get many times where uh, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law actually do get along. And they hmm. can actually live, you know, in harmony with one another without having to fight and scold and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that is the best I can say here. And uh, please do consider your husband's position. It is his mother. So he's going to obviously want to do what is best for her. Hmm. So do consider that. And just put yourself in his shoes. What if it was your mother? You know, what would you have done? And secondly, also do consider his financial position. I mean, sometimes you would want to impress on him, but it's maybe out of his means. Uh, so that is also important. We have to be realistic about these things. And uh, the best situation is always to, to go the middle road and with understanding and moderation. Um, inshallah, I'm sure you will come to some kind of uh, agreement as to what you are going to do as far as this is concerned. Shukran, Sheikh. The next SMS received was, Assalamu alaikum. What can I do about a son who is on drugs? Don't work and keep stealing from you. I don't see him going to jail. Shukran. Yeah, this is unfortunately the dilemma that many parents are sitting with. Uh, although their kids are ruining their lives and really making it uh, difficult for them to, to just get by on a day-to-day basis, uh, at the same time, they always have this spot, soft spot for the children that they don't want them to... Uh, and this is a mother and a father's natural kind of inclinations. Mm-hmm. They would always like to say, and I always, this is something amazing which I, which I really would classify to be one of the wonders of Allah, mm-hmm. of how it is you know, that a child can hurt a parent so much. Mm-hmm. And yet that parent will just turn around and still forgive that child mm. without thinking twice about it. And this is really a rahmah that has been placed in the hearts of the parents to, to a degree that one cannot really imagine. In this situation, obviously, you need to be, uh, as a parent, need to be uh, decisive and you need to be realistic that your son, if he is on drugs, he needs help. He needs counseling, right? So we're not saying send him to jail, but he needs something needs to be done. Okay, You cannot just leave it and ignore the situation. Okay, it will go from bad to worse, and eventually you will not be able to, to, to handle it. I mean, already you're saying that he's stealing and stuff, and it's going to re- go from bad to worse. So you need to obviously uh, get some kind of uh, assistance, uh, external uh, assistance. And uh, alhamdulillah, there's many, there's many options, I think, in our communities, organizations, uh, both uh, religious and otherwise, that can assist in this regard. You don't have to be alone in all of this. I mean, you need moral support, of course. You need, uh, you know, just advice. How, how to proceed and stuff like that and I think uh, uh, yes you, you need to sort of uh, while you have those feelings for him in your heart that you don't want him to go into jail and all, and that's good because you want the best for him but don't let that cause you to have blinkers on your eyes for what he is doing uh, and becoming complacent in what he is doing or feeling that you don't want to do anything to, to, to better the situation because mm-hmm. you don't want to tramp on his toes and stuff like that no there comes a time when people like this they need to be told straight out what mm-hmm. the rules are and what you expect and what you don't expect, right? And that's why sometimes the, the rule that says you have to be cruel to be kind, this sometimes apply. I mean, you, you need to show this person, look, we cannot help you if you do not help yourself. 
Okay, if you're not prepared to help yourself, no one else will be able to help you. So deprive him from certain things and, and show him the seriousness of that. And that will also be showing love for him. This, that will also be showing that you care for him, although he may not understand it. Okay, so that is what I want to say if, uh, to this parent, and we hope, uh, and it's a very difficult, I mean, I cannot imagine what a parent like this must be going through. Uh, but uh, keep strong and try your best to, to, to get uh, help for him in whatever way is suitable and whatever way is uh, going to, to, to at least better the situation. And then finally, of course, uh, not to forget, you know, he's your child. So make dua, you know, sit on your musalla as much as you can, you know, for in the middle of the night and ask Allah Ta'ala to help you, you know, with your child, to help your child uh, come back to his senses, to leave off the drugs and to come clean and, and what uh, what he is doing. And the dua of a parent is very, very mustajab. You know, I mentioned this uh, not too long ago where I said that people must never underestimate the dua that a parent has for a child. It's very powerful. You know, Allah Ta'ala listens to those prayers. There are certain du'as that are simply just not rejected. You know, they are always accepted. One of those categories is definitely the du'a of a parent to a child. There is mm-hmm. one hadith where the Prophet ﷺ actually said, the du'a of a parent to a child is the same like a du'a that is made by a prophet for his nation. That is how powerful it is, like the du'a of a prophet for his entire ummah. So uh, do make use of that avenue and ask Allah Ta'ala to guide you and to keep you strong and to keep you focused uh, how best you are going to help your child, uh, inshallah, and hopefully Allah Taala will give you a way out of this difficulty that you are in. And do consult, do get help uh, from outside. You know, go, go, you get these organizations. Uh, certain masajid also offer these services. So go there and get advice as to how you should proceed. So as uh, so at least you get the moral support that you need, so that mm-hmm. you're not all alone in having to deal with this particular problem. We make dua that Allah makes easy for you and Amen. all our mothers and fathers out there who are facing this particular uh, problem in their lives. Amen, inshallah. Let's uh, take a break. Stay with us as we continue with your SMSs on questions and answers. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I'm Khawa Salaman and welcome back to Questions and Answers. Uh, just to note, today's uh, Maghrib Adhan will be at 19.04. So alhamdulillah, we have enough time to finish uh, within the show. A full hour, alhamdulillah, to get your, uh, answer your SMSs on 47913. Please do keep them coming. We will not answer them in the show, but they will follow through on the next show, inshallah. But don't worry, it will be read and it will be answered um, you may send them on 47913. I have Sheikh Ibrahim Wiss in studio with me and answering the next question is, uh, Salah, my son has not been talking to me for three years after I refused to let one of his friends sleep over. When I talk to him, he ignores me. He's just 28 years old and not married, Sheikh. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, as a parent, you did what you thought was best at the time when you uh, uh, did not allow his friend to sleep over. <coughs> and you have, as, as a parent, you, as a, you, you have all the right to do that. And you have nothing bad to, fee- to feel bad about anything because as a parent, you exercise your role as a parent and there's certain decisions that you are going to make and your child may not necessarily like that, those decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay, So that's the first point. I, do, I want you to remember that you are the parent, he's the child. So whatever decision you made which you thought was good for him, he should respect that and you should not feel bad at all for the particular decision that you have made. Now, he is obviously in the wrong here. There's no doubt that he's being disrespectful not to talk to you. And he's actually not realizing, and this is what I often tell, people don't know what they are causing upon themselves and what they are difficulties they are actually inviting upon themselves when they discard their parents or when they don't, don't listen or they don't give uh, recognition to their parents. It is something which is very, very dangerous because there's many, many ahadith that say that a person who strives for Allah Ta'ala's pleasure and satisfaction, you will not get that except if his parents are satisfied. Hmm. And the same goes to the opposite of that. If a person makes his parents unhappy, then Allah is definitely unhappy as well. Hmm. So the child, unfortunately, he does not know what he's putting himself into by not talking to you or being disrespectful to you, etc., hmm. etc. Et and uh, I think what you should be doing is you should be decisive in telling him how you feel about this and telling him that it's not right what he is doing and he is causing difficulty upon himself. And since he is 
is a big man of 28. Mm. So he should know better. You know, it's not a child, that, a small child that don't understand right from wrong. Mm. So he should know better and you should kind of tell him that you know, if he's living with you under your roof, and you should obey your rules uh, as long as he's living there. That is how things will be done. And I think you must be decisive in this and tell him that you know, you as a parent will never do anything to harm him or to cause discomfort to him mm. and stuff like that. Whatever you did at that time, not allowing his friend to come over, it was in his best interest. Mm. And it's long gone and forgotten. Why should he keep grudges and not speak to you for so, such a yeah, long three time? Years. Three years. It's an absolute long time. And imagine living in the same house yeah. and not even speaking to your mother. I mean, this is terrible. I mean, you don't get like worse than that than this in a particular household. Mm. So uh, um, I think do do speak to him in a more decisive way and don't feel bad of what you had done. You are the parent. You've got the right to exercise your right uh, to exercise your authority. Uh, nobody can tell you otherwise. And of course, uh, yes, like I said in the previous question, you keep on making dua for our children. We should be making dua for them, but we should also guide them. We should teach them. Mm. That is our role as parents. Otherwise, we will be uh, uh, held. Uh, accountable in front of Allah if we do not play our role as parents. Let's say uh, this parent is just leaving the soul, say, well, if he doesn't speak to me, then I won't speak to him and mm. that's it, you know. That's wrong because that it means that you are condoning or you are kind of complacent you know, of what is happening and you are not rectifying the situation. So uh, I think that is what you should do uh, and be strong and don't, don't make it, uh, allow him to make you feel bad about anything or stuff like that because you've got nothing to feel bad about. And uh, explain to him in a nice way. You know, tell him that you are doing this because you wouldn't want Allah to be dissatisfied with him. Hmm. You wouldn't like him to be in a position there with Qiyamah. So he comes in front of Allah and Allah doesn't accept his fasting or his salah or anything. Why? Because simply he didn't care for his parents or he didn't hmm. speak to his mother or his father. So explain to him in a nice way that is not what you would want for him. And I actually know of a situation like this where this, where this one mother came to me and she said, you know, my, my, my daughter has, has, has hurt me so much. You know, she's done so many things. Verbal abuse, ignoring me, you know, not giving me any attention and not worrying about me when I was ill and not even for La Barang coming to me, you know, all these things. But you know what she said to me? She said to me that, but after all of that, I'm prepared to forgive her and I'm prepared to still make dua for her mm. because I wouldn't like to see her be in a bad position in, on the day of judgment, mm. you know, when Allah is not going to be satisfied with her. Now, 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 this is a parent, like I said earlier on, a parent has this instinctive kind of uh, emotion and feeling towards, mm. towards the child. Mm. So it's... Uh, Important that the children, on the other hand, also play their role and they, they, they show more respect and they show more care mm. and, and love to their parents because after all, their parents will not do anything to intentionally harm them mm. or to intentionally cause difficulty for them. Uh, that is not the case in, 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 in all of these situations. So we make dua, inshallah, hopefully this parent will find some closure as far as this is concerned. Mm. And the child, I hope and pray that the child comes to his senses. Hmm. And, and, and the last thing I, that I want to tell him is that if you are listening or if somebody can convey this message to you, that the fact is you are treating your mother in this way now, but remember your turn is coming. Hmm. You're also going to be at one stage where you are going to be old and perhaps Allah is going to give you children. Hmm. The hadith says, Birru aba'akum tabarrukum abna'ukum. Hadith says, be kind to your parents, then you will see your children will be kind to you. Hmm. And that is a, a fact of life. Right? If you don't show care and you don't show love and compassion to your own parents, then you can't expect anything beautiful to happen when you have children. Mm. Because it, what goes around comes around, that is quite true. So just put yourself in that position and just realize that uh, you know, if you are not going to play your role now, it's going to you know, haunt you at a later stage in a way that you cannot imagine. We don't hope that for you. We hope that you will come to your senses and at least make peace with your mother. Ask her forgiveness. Ask her, you know, to, to overlook what you have done that was wrong. And it's never too late to, to, to sort of make, uh, you know, reconciliations. It's not, it's never too late. So don't think that you, you've gone so far already. There's no way of turning back now. That is normally shaitan that will tell you those things in your ears, you know. Mm. He will tell you, no, look, what's the point of talking now? It's already three years. Mm. No, you need to put your pride in your pocket and you need to turn to your mother you need to apologize to her. You need to say to her, Mommy, what I did for three years not speaking to you was wrong. And how can I make it right with you? What can I do to make it up with you? Because after all, I don't want to die or I don't want to, to leave this world knowing that Allah is not going to be pleased with me. 
So this is what uh, the child should do, and hopefully he will come to his senses to do just that, inshallah. Amen, inshallah. Uh, Sheikh, we've received a uh, fax message. Yes, you may also send your uh, questions on this Q&A um, edition of questions and answers via fax 021 and we receive it here at Voice of the Cape. Say salam, Sheikh. Please be so kind to explain to me the, the meaning of ma tukadiban. I know it's in Ar-Rahman Surah, but when I listen to the recital, it's always shocking through my body. MashaAllah, it's, uh, it's nice to hear that somebody has such a profound yeah. experience when mm. he listens uh, to the glorious Qur'an. And, and this is how it should be. Uh, we should, at all times when we listen to the Qur'an, it should have an effect on our hearts. You know, there's one ayah where Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِذَا تُلِّيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُهُ زَادَتُهُمْ إِيمَانًا وَعَلَىٰ رَبِّمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ That the true believers, uh, believers are as such that whenever the verses of Allah is recited upon them, mm. their iman automatically increases. So this is a feeling I get here, this person recites this particular ayah and it goes through his body and he gets some kind of feeling mm. and this is great, this is good, alhamdulillah. But just coming to the verse, uh, the complete verse is of course, And as we know, it's a, a, a repeated verse that comes a couple of times in this mm. particular surah of Ar-Rahman. And uh, what the verse basically means, and it's a very profound verse, mm. uh, the verse is addressing both the jinn and the humankind. Uh, and the verse says, which of the favors of your Lord will you deny? Which of the favors of Allah are you going to deny? And each time Allah reminds us of a favor, like the creation of the sun and the moon and the trees, etc. Uh, the creation of Jannah for us, for those believing men and women. And, and all those good things that will be coming our way, etc. etc. So, after each ni'mah, Allah Ta'ala repeats this verse. Which of the favors of your Lord are you going to deny? And the address here is both to jinn and to mankind. Because we know the Qur'an was also revealed to the jinn. Mm-hmm. There was occasions where the Prophet ﷺ actually met with the jinn and he recited to them. And in fact, Allah says in the Qur'an that the jinn's response was, inna We heard a Qur'an that was absolutely amazing. This was what the impression that the jinn got when they heard the ayats mm-hmm. of the Qur'an. And just speaking about the jinn, when this ayah was revealed, the Prophet ﷺ actually recited it to the Sahaba. And he said to them, you know, when I recited this verse, to the jinn, they were more responsive than what you were. So the Sahaba asked, what do you mean? He says, each time when I said, because it's a question, the jinn would give answer. And they would say, وَلَا بِشَيْءٍ مِّن نِعَمِكَ نُكَذِّبُ يَا رَبُّ وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ They would actually say, oh Allah, we won't deny any of your favors. Hmm. This was the response of the jinn each time they heard this particular ayah. So yes, uh, this brother that is getting this feeling about this ayah, alhamdulillah, it's very good. It's a very great ayah because it's an ayah that at all times put into perspective how important it is to acknowledge the favors of Allah. Never to overlook the good that Allah is doing to us and giving us because uh, you may be sometimes in a state of difficulty or in a state of decline or in a state of poverty or in a state of illness. Don't forget all the great favors which Allah had already given you. Okay, And think of those people who are worse off than you. Never think of people who are better than you, but think of people that are more ill or more poor or more, in a more bigger difficulty than yourself. So this verse is indeed a verse uh, which reminds us of that of the favors of Allah Ta'ala and keep on reciting Surah Al-Rahman it's a beautiful Surah it has profound meanings it also gives us a glimpse of what one can expect in the year after so that Surah and the Surah that follows it إِذَا وَقَعَتِ الْوَاقِعَةِ إِذَا وَقَعَتِ الْوَاقِعَةِ Surah Al-Wakia is also a very good Surah to recite every day uh, as per the Ahadith it keeps away poverty and it keeps a person in perspective so we congratulate this person who has beautifully interacted with this particular Ayah and the Surah of the Quran may Allah Ta'ala increase your love for the Quran and may you continue to you know interact in this way where the Quran uh, sort of gives you a message that you can live and that you can obviously implement inshallah inshallah shukran sheikh assalamu alaikum is it necessary for a lady to close her face parda um, if she has gets visitors friends or go on an errand if andaida for the passing of her husband the issue of uh, an idda of a, a widow uh, is something which is obviously mentioned in the Qur'an, uh, in Surah Al-Baqarah, where Allah Ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ يُتَوَفَّوْنَ مِنْكُمْ وَيَذَرُونَ أَزْوَاجَ يَتَرَبَّصْنَ بِأَنفُسِهِنَّ أَرْبَعَةَ أَشْوَرٍ وَعَشَرًا Of course, uh, the ayah says that those of you who had, uh, their husbands had passed away, 
they should go under idda uh, for four months and ten days. So there is a mourning period of four months and ten days which the woman goes into. And uh, there are certain guidelines which was given to us by the Prophet wasallam as to what is uh, required from such a woman. Okay. Uh, the main thing about the idda, just in a general sense, is it's to protect the honor of the woman, to protect the dignity, so that she doesn't, you know, just go out there and 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 not even consider the fact that she was married with with this man for such a long time. It's mm. to honor the the contract of nikah that that existed between them, the honor of the husband, etc. And also, the Prophet sallam had given uh, instructions that such a woman should not uh, um, obviously go out unnecessarily. Okay, so she should only leave the house if it's really necessary, like running an errand, like she said, or going out for some need, etc. Working if she has to work, she may work if, if there's not, not, no one else to sustain her, she can do that, but it must be minimal, she should go and just come back. And then also the Prophet ﷺ had given particularly uh, instruction as to her uh, appearance, where the Nabi ﷺ said uh, in a hadith, that the Prophet sallallahu said, وَلَا تَكْتَحِلْ وَلَا تَتَطَيَّبْ وَلَا تَلْبَسُ ثَوْبًا مَصْبُوغًا إِلَّا ثَوْبَ عَصْبٍ That the Sahaba, the, the, the female companions, particularly a woman by the name of Ummu Atiyah, she says that we were prohibited when we were under idda to beautify ourselves and to apply kuhl to our eyes, that would be mascara and stuff like that to our eyes, and to beautify ourselves and to apply perfume and to wear uh, extravagant clothing that will be attractive to other people, etc. Okay, so we were prohibited from these things while we are under idda because it is a period of mourning. And we know, of course, the, 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 the other issue that needs to be brought to our attention why this is so is because this woman, while she is under idda, she is not allowed to get married to someone else. She was obviously wait till the idda is over. So not in order to attract maybe some uh, other men that want to propose to her and stuff like that. She must try to uh, be as simple as possible and, and, and go through this period uh, you know, in, in a way that, that is suitable. And so in terms of just coming back to the actual question, Okay, does she have to close her face? Not necessarily. Mm. The hadith does say she has to close her face. The hadith simply says she has to stay away from beautification and all those, but not necessarily to close the face. So if it is that people are going to visit her at home, then she must make sure, of course, that she's not alone with a strange person. There will always be a mahram in between, just to avoid fitna. And it's all to safeguard her honor. And also, like I said, if she has to go out, um, she must do so just uh, under, the, uh, the, the, under the reason of, of it being really necessary and not go overboard and just come back as soon as she's done with the errand and not uh, freely go around because it's to protect her dignity as a, a widow, etc. Uh, and we know also the fitna that it causes in the community, for example, mm. that we, we find people talk very quickly. You know, so, uh, her husband just passed away a few days ago and already she's on the go. Mm. So it's to protect her from all these kinds of things. That is why the idda is in place. And so uh, uh, that is what she should do. And it's not really necessary for her to close the face, as I said. But... Chibas at all times do whatever it's going to take to avoid fitna, to avoid issues that may arise, etc. Uh, and that is uh, the guidelines which was given to us by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam. Shukran. Assalamu alaikum. A friend told me once that he did not want to kiss his wife before salah as it would break his wudu. Is this correct, Sheikh? Yeah, this is an issue that uh, there is some disagreement about, uh, mm-hmm. according to our scholars uh, of Islam. Um, we find that uh, the Shafi'i madhab, which is the predominant madhab that we follow, is quite strict on this matter, where um, the Shafi'i scholars uh, would say that uh, any contact with your wife or with a strange woman who is a non-mahram woman, uh, such a woman or your wife, it will break your hudu automatically. Whether it was done intentionally or unintentionally, skin on skin will immediately invalidate the hudu. Hmm. So this is correct according to the Shafi'i uh, interpretation uh, of the, the, the ayah of the Qur'an where Allah Ta'ala saying that, and this is really the proof, where do they get it from? It's a, a verse in the Qur'an where Allah Ta'ala elaborates on what are those things that invalidate the hudu. Hmm. And one of the things that are mentioned is, la nisa. Now this is interesting, we see how the scholars have interpreted this ayah in two different ways, right? The Shafi'i scholars say, nisa literally means when you touch women, when you touch women, so meaning when there's physical contact. Hmm. The Hanafi scholars, for example, they would say, no, the, the, the word here, when you touch women, this phrase is not used for ordinary touching of the skin on skin. 
but this is referring to the actual intimacy that is prevalent between husband and wife for example mm-hmm. that is the thing that will invalidate the wudu if this if this intimacy or intimate relations then that will invalidate the wudu but mere skin t- touching on skin that will not invalidate the wudu and there is obviously a discussion around this. Um, there is certain ahadith, for example, where uh, allegedly. Now I say allegedly because the hadith that are used are also not uh, authentic 100%. It has been debated. The authenticity about these ahadith has been debated. And one of uh, such ahadith is one where say the Aisha allegedly is reported to have said that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam had um, actually touched her or had kissed her, and he had made salah without actually. Taking hudu, hmm. okay. So although that is a quite a clear evidence to show that you don't need to take hudu if there is skin contact between husband and wife, like I said, the, the evidence uh, at hand is not the strongest of evidences from an authenticity point of view, hmm. and that is why the Shafi scholars have not accepted it. So they take the eye of the Quran, nisa when you touch. So yes, uh, what I would say is like a, a kind of a there's there's a middle path that one can take here. Uh, the Shafi scholars say if a, a skin contact is between husband and wife. If it's intentionally or unintentionally, then the hudu is invalidated. The Hanafi madhab is on the other extreme. They say if it is skin contact, whether it is intentional or unintentional, whether there is desire accompanied with it or not, it will not invalidate the hudu. So they're on the other extreme. And then we get the Maliki school of thought, which is like somewhere in the middle, somewhere there. They say, well, we have to consider the circumstances. If the touching was out of desire or it was intentional, then it will invalidate the hudu. If it was unintentional and without desire, then it will not invalidate the hudu. So I think what is best is to look at your circumstances. If between you and your wife is going to be difficult for you to take hudu every time when she touches you in the house and stuff like that, no problem for you to follow one of the other madahib that says your hudu is not invalidated. If on the other hand it's maybe once off that it happens, you know it won't happen again uh, easily, then rather follow the more precautionary madhab, which is the Shafi school of thought, to say that it does in fact break your hudu to touch. So, And if you're speaking about touching, kissing, kissing uh, between spouses is obviously more invalidating than mere skin contact. Mm. Okay, So that is correct what your friend has said uh, according to the Shafi school of thought. Shukran, Sheikh. And we continue with your questions just after this break. Stay with us. The Voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM Stereo Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh This is Questions and Answers I have uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Moos in studio with me Answering your questions Let's get straight into it uh, Firstly we start with a comment That we have received And we want to acknowledge it Assalamu alaikum uh, Respectful Sheikh May Allah grant you good health And your sweet character To be in you always From Amin Avadin <laughs> Uh, Sheikh, that's a message to you. Uh, um, our next uh, SOS question is, Salam Sheikh, my husband is ch- uh, chatting to another woman. I asked him to stop three times. He ignores me. I have not filed for divorce. Um, uh, sorry, I have now filed for divorce from courts. Can I apply for Fasakh? He does not want to talaq me. Yeah, this is obviously a, a conflict that is uh, between husband and wife where the husband is doing some things that are obviously unsuitable, chatting with other women and, and stuff like that, which is not suitable within a, 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 a marriage. So if you wanted to apply for a fasakh, you could do that. And they will obviously have to follow up and see whether the grounds are strong enough for for granting a fasakh. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the grounds have to be quite substantial. Okay, so you have to be able to prove what you are saying, etc., etc., and they they could uh, possibly uh, consider uh, to give a, a fasakh on the grounds of you not being able to live with this husband any longer because of his dishonesty and stuff like that. Uh, that is according to some schools of thought, especially the Maliki Madhab. They accommodate for this for these kinds of reasons when there is uh, sort of uh, difficulty in. Uh, in connection between the husband and wife and they just cannot uh, see eye to eye and they just cannot live harmoniously mm-hmm. um, they call it a talaq lishiqaq darar. it's a talaq that will be given or a fasakh that will be given on the basis of bad relations between mm-hmm. husband and wife so this can possibly be an avenue to be uh, exploited uh, um, and what should be done before this is obviously before you file for fasakh and all that uh, maybe you should go for counseling first mm-hmm. and just see you know uh, to what extent we can perhaps remedy the situation before now just going for divorce it's now I, I do understand and acknowledge that you say you have already asked him to stop but he did not stop hmm. so I acknowledge that but sometimes it's always better to get a third party actually involved a neutral party to listen to you 
and mm-hmm. to then guide you from there onwards and to find out why the husband is doing that is there maybe something that is upsetting him or is he being spiteful or whatever just to come to the bottom of why why he is actually doing that and why doesn't he even pay attention for you uh, when you are asking him to stop with those acts right and this is what 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 should be done because we find the Quran also teaches us that uh, in in surah an-nisa chapter 4 verse 35 Allah says and in a nutshell Allah ta'ala saying if you fear that there will be bad relations between the two of you uh, then it's best to organize a arbitrator from both sides. So get one from her family, one from the, the husband's family, and let them sit down with a couple and work through each issue see to see whether there can be some kind of solution and some kind of uh, uh, restoration of the relationship between them. Mm. And then, yes, if that does not work or those avenues have been uh, expedited, then in this case, of course, you can then go to a judiciary and they will investigate. Of course, it's a procedure. It's a process. Mm. It's not going to be the way you just go there and tell them you want a fasakh and they will grant you a fasakh. Mm. They will have to investigate and see whether your grounds are really true and whether they are really substantial. Uh, they will have to call in the husband also to find out why he's doing what he's doing, etc., etc. And then after all of that, they may or they may not. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on how strong the case is, uh, grant you a fasakh. But nothing stops you from at least making that application after you have uh, obviously um, exhausted all other avenues of mm-hmm. arbitration and of counseling, etc. Then you should do you should do that, and um, they they will then guide you further as to what could be done in your situation. Shukran, Sheikh. Moving on to the next question. Please do send your SMSs on four seven nine one three. Salam. My son's wife is in prison, and she she the prisons. I'm to talak him, which he accepts. But I've never brought the papers for proof that they are talaq. I tried phoning to get the correct info, no reply. We'll try again, inshallah. I hope Sheikh can make sense. Yeah, it's, it's fairly vague. It's mm. not too clear. Uh, but it seems it's a question that's coming from a mother, mother yes. right, on behalf of a son. A son yes. And the son's wife is in prison. So it appears that a talaq had taken place, mm. but she or no one has received the papers. Um, what I would obviously would want to know first is if the talaq did take place, how did it take place? Mm. Uh, did it actually take place in a way that, that, that is warranted by, by our legal system, the sharia? Mm. Um, so obviously, if, if it was a talaq, the way that she's utterly saying here, yeah, then it means it must have been been her son that has given the talaq given because him. nobody else can give that talaq mm-hmm. right? it must have been the son himself that was obviously uh, the person to 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 validate this talaq mm-hmm. or to affect this talaq so if that is the case then of course what it, this means is that the divorce is, is true, I mean the papers obviously is secondary Mm. If the divorce went through with all its channels uh, from the husband's side, then obviously the, the divorce is valid, whether there's papers or whether there's no papers, that mm. doesn't make a difference. But it seems that maybe they need papers for proof, maybe to register or to deregister as married as a married couple, mm. etc., whatever the case may be. And if this is uh, the problem that they are sitting with, it's very easy. I mean, if, 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 if an imam or, or a sheikh was not now present at the time of talaq, mm. they can basically go to an imam or to a sheikh to actually report back to him to say that this is what happened. My husband did divorce his wife while she is in prison. There is witnesses to testify to this. Is it possible for you to give a paper mm. to show that they are divorced? And I think what would be a better option is to, to actually uh, consult with the imams that are directly involved with the prisons because they would know better as mm. to what had happened there or how it happened, etc. There are some of our imams that are quite involved with uh, our Muslim inmates, both male and female, where they regularly go there and give guidance and counseling and uh, teach them and so on and so forth. So uh, that would be uh, perhaps a better option to, to get into contact with one of those imams that are directly involved with the prisons to find out exactly what ha- what had occurred. Um, but like I said, if it is that your husband did divorce this woman, uh, you don't really need papers uh, to, ma- to, in- to, to, to make it valid. Mm. Although the papers is obviously for legal purposes, maybe for registration and stuff like that. And that paper you can get by any imam uh, after he can verify what you are saying is indeed true the paper can be given I'm sure uh, that won't be uh, a big problem Shukran Sheikh let's just take a short break and we continue with the last segment after this The Voice of the Cape 
the daughters of your son uh, sorry the daughters of your brother and the daughters of your sister hmm. so this would obviously be the nephews and the nieces from either side whether it is from your uh, brother's side or whether it is your niece from your sister's side okay so this is obviously the ayah is addressed to males to show which females don't break their hudu and which hmm. females are mahram okay so your mothers your daughters your sisters your aunts etc hmm. but the same can be said to the opposite gender so if uh, the ayah is addressing the males the opposite would also be true so if you are a female the, your fathers would then become also uh, mahram your instead of daughters your sons obviously are your mahram your brothers instead of sisters your uh, your your uncles instead of aunts and also in terms of the daughters of your brother whether from uh, your brother or your sister which is your nephews or your nieces mm. uh, also your sons Uh, of your your daughters your, your sons of your brothers or your sisters which is your nephews or your nieces uh, your nephews particularly they will also break you uh, will not break your hudu sorry so that is definitely a category that does not break hudu nephews and nieces is mahram relationship uh, one cannot get married to them of course and uh, there is no you can travel with them as a mahram no problem because they it's a relationship is almost like between a nephew uh, oneself and one's nephew is almost the same as the relationship between uh, a person and his uncle hmm. okay obviously uh, so 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 that is uh, not not one of the categories that break the hudu yes. okay sheikh uh, the next question is salam does a husband um does a husband provide for his wife after she walked out for the second time and applied for a divorce so does she does he nafaka Yeah, the nafaqa is only due under normal circumstances uh, during the idda period of a talaq um, if uh, the wife obviously uh, complies right uh, with the rules of idda hmm. okay it appears to me here uh, that uh, he says he applied for a divorce which means maybe the divorce has not yet come through there is no divorce yet but this application for divorce hmm. uh, and the wife just walked out obviously it's wrong for her just to walk out because the husband has got a haq over her until things are finalized and so she shouldn't hawk out she shouldn't just uh, uh, you know discard uh, the home in which they live and discard the rights of the husband until things are finalized mm. and during the idda if she complies with these rules then obviously she will uh, get nafaqa she will be looked after normally but if she obviously moves out without his right and without his consent then he's got the right obviously to withhold mm. nafaqa from her because she's not complying so obviously he doesn't have that duty any longer to do that of course there are also times uh, i have to just mention this as a point uh, there, there there could be certain circumstances where the wife is actually forced to move out mm. during the time of idda or to the events leading up to the divorce and that is sometimes the the abuse can be so bad that the woman's life can be in danger for example because she's being physically abused and stuff like that and for her to continue to live in the house under the uh, wings of this particular husband who's beating her or stuff mm. like that would, would put her life even in more danger mm. such a case she can move out and that will not uh, that will not cause her to lose her rights you know as a woman who's under idda to be given nafaqa mm. because that is a special circumstance but on the normal circumstances if she remains in the home and she she still gives the haq to the husband uh, what is due to him then he cannot withhold anything but if she forfeits that by going out without his consent mm. then yes then he can also in turn uh, withhold whatever his duties is is towards her Shukran, Sheikh. And I think our last question for this evening would be my brother swore at my mother and she is very upset. What does one say to a son like this who verbally abuses his mother and swears at her with the ugliest words? Yeah, what can one say? Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. This is a, a, a very sad 
uh, situation if you have a child that is going to be this disrespectful towards his parents. And just earlier on, uh, we spoke about that issue of how important it is for children to acknowledge their parents and to cherish their parents, etc. And I want to reiterate, this child does not know what he is invoking upon himself mm-hmm. by being disrespectful towards his parents. He's invoking everything that is bad for him and for his future life and for his children and for his for for his well-being because Allah is not pleased with him mm. okay so um, I want to just remind uh, uh, this child uh, if he is listening or if someone can perhaps convey the message to him that if we look at the extent to which the Prophet وسلم, had gone to explain to us the danger of disrespecting the parents in one hadith the Prophet وسلم, says that if one were to calculate the fragrance of Jannah, how far it can be, it can be smelled, hmm. right? The Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said the fragrance of Jannah can be smelled from a distance of five hundred years of traveling. Can be it, it can be recognized from such a far distance away, hmm. uh, the beautiful smell of Jannah. But then the Prophet sallallahu says there are certain people that will not even enjoy the fragrance of Jannah, let alone enter the Jannah. And one of the categories of people that will not even enjoy the fragrance of Jannah, according to this hadith, is a person who was disobedient to his parents, mm. or disrespectful to his parents. A specific category which the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam earmarked to say that they not only will they not enter Jannah, they will not even smell the fragrance of Jannah. Mm. So that shows us how, how difficult the situation is. And uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam also in another hadith had mentioned that, you know, shouldn't I inform you, Shouldn't I tell you what is the worst of sins that you can commit? And Zahaba said, please, Bala ya Rasulullah, tell us what is mm-hmm. it that, so that we can avoid these sins. And the first thing that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned was al-ishraku billah. It's to commit shirk and to ascribe partners to Allah. Mm-hmm. That is an unforgivable sin. If a person dies on shirk, you will never be forgiven by Allah Ta'ala. And then immediately after this, the Prophet ﷺ says, and the second one after this is uququl walidain. It is to disobey the parents. And look at how, how dangerous it is. Immediately after shirk, the Prophet ﷺ mentions the disobedience of the parents. Mm-hmm. So it is a very, very uh, sad situation if uh, this brother uh, of yours is, is, is treating your mother in this way. And uh, I think you as a sister and you as a family, you must perhaps involve uh, more of the elderly of the family to actually apprehend him mm-hmm. and to say that this is not the way that we are going to allow you to treat our mother. You know, it's unacceptable. It is not halal for you to do this. You are putting, you are actually invoking the bala of Allah upon you for doing this. So I think as a family, you should come together and address the situation in a very stern way, in a very strong way, so that this person can know that he cannot do stuff like this and just get away with it. Mm. Um, you know, because it's, it's going to be to his own detriment. And uh, we hope the family will be able to support each other uh, in, in order to overcome this very, very sad situation that they have at hand where this child is treating the, the, the mother like this. Uh, we hope, inshallah, he will come to his senses and the family will be able to uh, survive this particular situation, inshallah. Amen, inshallah. Unfortunately, we have to leave it there. We have to break for, for Maghrib, but you'll hear from Sheikh again next week, same time, on a Saturday uh, between 6 and 7. So do send those SMSs on 47913. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh, for your time today. Uh, we'll see Sheikh again on Saturday, inshallah. All the Shukran best. Shukran to you also, uh, Sister Hawa, and to all our listeners. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. And from myself, Hawa Solomon, a very good evening to you and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.